Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. So won't you open your Bible in Ephesians? I just want to put it out there that I do believe the ESV is a relevant translation. But I do own an NLT, and I read it. I, I read an NIV. I read the message. I have an ASV. I read the King James. Believe it or not, I actually understand it. I read the New King James. I understand that better than the King James. <laughs> I do think that ESV is a good translation. We as elders have discussed this. But I want to tell you, read the Word of God. If I don't say that often enough, read the Word of God. Never ever do I want to discourage anyone from reading His Word because it's, it's not the translation that I subscribe to, okay? But um, in the ESV from verse 15, it says, Thanksgiving and prayer. And we're going to read from verse 15 to 23. But last week we kicked off with the introduction to, to Ephesians. It was my privilege to preach the first few verses. Can you guys remember what I told you about it not being like Galatians? It's not written, written to a local church. It's written to the churches in that area. Listen how the ESV, just in my Bible, intros it. It says the Apostle Paul wrote Ephesians to the churches around Ephesus. It's to display the scope of God's eternal plan for all human, humanity, for Jews and Gentiles alike. This is the mystery of God, hidden for ages, but now made known in Jesus Christ. It has always been God's plan for everyone to be His chosen people. It has always been God's plan. Comments I'm making on this portion. So if you want to be filled with love for people that you and yourself cannot love, be loyal and committed to Jesus Christ in your life. Talk to Him. Let Him talk to you. Read His Word. The next comment, verse 70, he goes through and he says that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Again, Paul comes back to the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He keeps pointing the churches towards the fullness of the Godhead. The triunion God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Next comment, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. For those expecting girls, this word wisdom is Sophia. Isn't it a beautiful name to give your daughter? My little Sophias. May they walk in the wisdom of God. But this word is not just a word that says, I'm wise like an owl, hoo-hoo. It is a word that says there is worldly wisdom, but there is spiritual wisdom. I want to hold out to us as a congregation that perhaps our worldly wisdom should line up with spiritual wisdom before we think we are wise. But um, nowadays, you can just walk in worldly wisdom, and sometimes it makes sense, but it doesn't align with the spiritual wisdom that we as believers should have in our lives. You should walk with Sophia. I'm sincerely hoping nobody is, is in love with a Sophia. But walk with that thing that I will align my, 
my worldly wisdom, when I have to make decisions with spiritual wisdom. That is why we say, get input from someone. Someone with experience. Someone who's filled with the, with the Spirit of God. Somebody who's read the Word. Go in and see if it aligns. And then, of course, that word revelation just means to take the cover off. Remove the hidden parts and expose it. But the beauty of that word is that it is not just about opening a can of worms and exposing it. It is that word becomes active. And as you walk in revelation, you bring revelation to other people. God works his revelation, taking the cover of things in your, 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 your life that you understand it. He helps others to also understand and take the cover off and discover hidden things in him. That's what he's praying for here. I'm praying for us as a church that we will be people who focus on the Trinity, filled with the Spirit, that we can have worldly wisdom that lines up with spiritual wisdom and, and uncover the hiddens of, of Christ and help others to in, uncover that. Is that a good prayer? I think so. And then you come to verse 23. <laughs> And it says in 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. You know, if we get to a point where we think this church is a body, we're in dangerous, dangerous space. This is not a governing body that has been elected to make decisions. We as the elders are not the governing body. It is his body that we are part of. He is the head of the body. Driving to hospital with Jude in the car when he just cut it, his thing to me was, Daddy, I cannot, I cannot use my fingers. I'll never be able to play cricket again. I, I can't do it. The, at that moment, the connection to the head of his body was severed to his, his hand. It is Jesus' body that we are, and he is the head of our body. And if there's something in your life maybe that is preventing you from feeling his instructions, I would say maybe this morning is a time of saying, I'm sorry, God. I want to hear your voice again. I want to hear your instruction. It's the one fear of my little 10-year-old boy that he can never play cricket and use his fingers again. By the grace of God and his miracle, to him be the glory. He's able to do it. His hand is healing miraculously so. But you know the other thing that that boy of mine said to me, Daddy, I can't feel anything. My hand is cold. I have no sensation. You know, if you are severed from the head of the body, you lose that empathy and that feeling that you should live with for people. That thing of, what does Jesus say about people? What is his heart for people? And we start to live this careless life of, I don't have to care. I, I can be apathetic. I can be critical and negative and, and self-centered because I want to say that's a dangerous space that we find ourselves in as a body. We are his body. He's our head. He gives us instruction, and he helps us to feel. Three points this morning. I 
I'm going to preface it with verse 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. That you may know, it's going to be the first point we're going to talk about. What is the hope to which he has called you? The second point. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And third point. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us? Who believe. I looked, I looked up what this means when it says the eyes of your heart enlightened. And eyes is simply the word ophthalmolos. Where you get ophthalmology from. Study of eyes. Sight. That the sight and the insight of your heart will be enlightened. That enlightened thing of, of clarity. And that thing of your heart in this context is not Heart, the organ, cardio. I think kardidos is the Greek or something. It's not that. This word when it says heart is this thing of my intellect and my imagination. That my intellect will be enlightened. That my imagination will be enlightened and clear that I can understand Point number one, point number two, point number three. Lainey said we should have called our season three Ephesians the Great Walls. Because it just seems there are threes everywhere. You can't look at it. He keeps doing it. I think God wants to redeem our imaginations in this, in this season. I don't know if the other men can attest to it, but my imagination is not as pure as I would like it to be. Not just in the sense of looking at something that I desire, but also in when somebody has ticked me off. I sometimes can see myself punching someone. Plays here. My mind. Little Johan movie. This is what Jesus said. Don't... Don't think things because you've done it. And I always, I, I struggle with that thing because it feels like I always have to ask for forgiveness because I think so many things. And they're not always great. But you know, when you start to follow your own imagination about people and situations, you are stripping the power of God out of those people's lives and out of your own life and out of the situation because you start to believe your own thoughts for that person. And I believe that's why Jesus says, then you have murdered that person. Which brings me to our first point, hope. When I start to, to live with this imagination that is inspired by my own carnal fallen nature, I strip hope out of situations. When you say, I can't imagine why they did that again. Pete Rasmussen at, at Gauteng Equip says, can we get to a place where we believe the best of each other? Can we redeem each other with hoping for God's best for each other and through each other? But we give birth to this imagination and we strip hope out of a situation. The word hope is this word, elpis, that, that is eagerly 
anticipating something. Do you still come to Jesus, not just on a Sunday, but when you read the Bible and say, I'm approaching it with eager anticipation. Father, speak to me. Holy Spirit, be with me. May I see Jesus in this passage. Do you still get excited? Or does it have to come through a commissioning moment like this morning in worship and, and possibly you will be able to keep your hope alive for three or four days? In Afrikaans, they've got two words that Afrikaans people mix up. They use it incorrectly in context. So you will talk to an Afrikaans person and they will tell you, yes, ek is, ek is gretig. And it's the word eager that this hope thing speaks of, this eagerly anticipating something of happen. My dan is there's another word that they use, which is angstig, which is anxious. And most Afrikaans people, and it grinds me because I, I love Afrikaans, they will say, ek is angstig vir kersfees. And I want to smack them and say, why are you scared? But, but what I'm trying to say is, do we live in that? That instead of being eager, we are anxious. Because it's the same palpitations that we get in our, and the adrenaline and the, the endorphins and stuff is being released. But we, when you actually say, you're like anxious about, are you still anxious about God? Or are you eager for him to arrive? I want to say your thoughts about God determines the hope in the situation. If you see him as someone who's going to discipline you and smack you, you're going to confuse, gretig, and angstig. And most people in Afrikaans don't even realize that they've interchanged the two words with completely different meanings. My second point comes from that, that verse that says, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Second point, inheritance. I love when you read this, that it says the first point, what is the hope? There's only one hope, Jesus Christ. And it comes to the second one, what are the riches? Plural. What are the riches? There's many. That's why we can live in security before, before God. We don't have to think, oh, but if he gets all the gifts, I'm going to get nothing. He's many. You and I can have the same gift from God, and then there's still plenty for others. He can pour out blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon you, and there's still plenty. But the point I want to make about inheritance today is when you read this, can you read it perhaps as it is written? What are the riches of His glorious inheritance? In the saints. You see, we want to read this thing with inheritance for us. But I want to hold out to us as a church that perhaps this speaks more of us being his inheritance than him giving us an inheritance. I want to propose to us that, I'm going to repeat it, that perhaps this scripture speaks more about you and I being his inheritance 
than us just getting buckets of good things from him as an inheritance. This word inheritance here speaks of genealogy. Genealogy that we read in the Bible, we don't like it because it says, and this one begot this one, 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 and this one did great things, and then this one begot this one. <laughs> you know those scriptures? You read Matthew, it's there. It speaks about the genealogy of what we get to continue in Christ. What we get to be part of. May we as a people never forget that we are walking in the path that somebody else has carved for us. We get to read Michael Eaton's thoughts because he has plowed and given of himself. We get to read the New Testament because Paul sacrificed so much. We are part of this genealogy. The second thing of genealogy is you are no longer who you were. Bible says you are born of imperishable new seed. You've become new. You've become a son and a daughter of the most high God. You are no longer a mayor or a van Vestazen or Kalmanaris. You have become something new. The third thing that this genealogy means, and this is the one we, I think we slip up today, is we have to leave something for other people to walk in. But the church has become void of this. We forget that we are, we are contending for somebody, for the next generation, for the future of our children, for the future of this generation. And we, we walk with this approach to inheritance and say, Lord, fill us. Instead of saying, we will plow so that your inheritance in us, God, may be rich for the generation to come. Point number three, power. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might? It's an interesting passage here because if you read the King James Version, it'll say, and what the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, and according to the working of his great power. The early translation used the word dynamis, which is the first power, and they translated it as power. And they translated the, the second word, which is kratos, also as power. The ESV now translated as power and might. This word dunamis is that ability of God doing things. We, we want to believe that it is us who do things. Because we want to believe that we are little, little gods. Can we as a church focus on knowing that it is His ability, His power working in and through us, not our own? And I want to hold out to you, the only way we will stay focused on that point is if we understand the second power, which is Kratos. Because that speaks of Jesus' authority and dominion. 
If we for one second lose sight of the one who holds dominion and authority, we start to think that the power is through us and our own abilities. If I raise my voice at the right pitch and I shout out, Lord Jesus, with the right emphasis on the correct syllable, then all of a sudden the power will fall because I've drummed up enough faith in myself. But if you stay humble and focused on the fact that there is one who holds all dominion and all authority and he works through us, the dynamis power of heaven towards people. Are you living with a degree of hope in Christ? Do you understand that when you say, Jesus, I accept you as Lord and Savior, that you are part of His inheritance? Do you know that that when you get an inheritance, you can pretty much do with it what you want to? Anybody ever inherited something and then didn't have the right to do anything with it? Pretty much. Nowadays, they've become clever and they say, you have to do this and this and this. But inheritance in that context was you've become subject to a new owner. Is there still a degree of your life that you think I own myself? Can I ask you to hand over to God? The third thing, are you living in the power of God? Are you open for Him to display in and through you His miracle creation working power? So all you have to do is be available. Here I am, God. And he says, okay, this morning, I want to give a word of knowledge through you. There's some power of mine on display. I want to wrap up with this. Verse 21. For Jesus is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age, but also in the one to come. I wrote five little things that I take from this. It's my things. Don't steal it. But I would suggest find your own. That's what I'm trying to entice. But the rule, I thought, if I understand that Jesus has rank in my life, if I can settle it. I'm not going to challenge him for authority. I'm going to just submit. Okay, you're the ranking officer. That's okay. You're, you're the big brother. I, I'm not. Authority. Authority, that word means jurisdiction, but it also means privilege. If I understand that Jesus has jurisdiction in my life, I will live in his privilege. Power. This is the same power as that I spoke about dynamis, the, the one of his ability where he does something. Knowing that in myself I've got nothing to bring other than what he gives. The fourth one, dominion. Living my life with a revelation that my worldly wisdom should line up with his spiritual wisdom because he has absolute governance. In my life. And then the fifth one, like we sang this morning, it's the name above every other name. 
May it stay the name that I call on when I am scared and frightened. May it stay the name that I shout out when I celebrate him. May it stay the name that I declare with hope over people. May it stay the name that is above all other names in my life. Ephesians 1, verse 15 to 23. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Father, I ask you this morning that we as a people will stay hopeful because of you eagerly anticipating what you, are, what you are about to do in our midst, in our lives, in other people's lives, Lord. That we will be so filled with your hope, God, that we will declare that over other people's lives. That we will stay steadfast, focused on you, Lord. It's the one who holds all authority in our lives. And Father, may we be a church that experience your power in our midst when we come together and when we are on our own, Lord. People that are in awe and reverence of the God who is able to do what he has promised. In Jesus' name, amen.